Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. It's so good to be here. And hey, how'd the kids do? Didn't the kids do incredible? Come on, give it up for the kids. I'm like, I'm like, man, I can't memorize that much. And uh, I, they did incredible. Every one of them did incredible. We're so proud of you. And it's so good to be here with you this morning. I've been out and about to our other campuses. And uh, just let you know, God is doing great things in Eunice. God's doing great things in, in Crowley. And just people's lives are getting uh, changed and touched. And I'm just excited about it. And I'm excited about Christmas. I'm excited about being here. We know that the greatest gift during this time for our lives is the gift of Jesus. And you know, what I want to talk to you about this morning is the light, the light of the world. And I want to talk about God's light and what it does. We know that God's love and God's light pierces the darkness in our own hearts and our own souls and our own lives. And to to come to bring joy and to bring peace, to bring hope in our hearts and our lives. That's the greatest gift. And I just want to go ahead and just begin to read real quick. And Matthew, if you have your notes with you, and it says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But, what, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. You know, I believe that when you look at it, when it's talking about the eye, it means everything that illuminates to your sight. In other words, everything that you see, that's where we get illusions or we get illustration from is our eyes. And you know what he's saying here in this portion is that if your eyes aren't right, the Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. You can see someone, you can see joy in their eyes, you can see uh, happiness in their eyes, you can see sadness, you can see depression, you can see poverty, you can see poverty in people's eyes. And you know, what the Bible is saying, if you think you have light and yet you're not walking in the light, there's darkness inside of us. And in this moment, in, in this Christmas moment, it reminds me of a dark time. Between the Old Testament and New Testament, it was 400 years of darkness, no word from God, nothing. There was famine in the land. And we know this, when you begin to search the scriptures and you begin to see in the gospel of Luke, and that's where we're going to go to this morning, and I need to get there myself in my Bible, if I'm going to preach it. So Luke chapter 1, and it just it, it goes on, and it, what happens is, here it is, it's in a, a place, and, I just, and an angel appears... It's Zacharias. He's going into the temple. And, and actually there was duties in, in the priest had. They would be farmers and they would, they would divide the year up 24, time, 24 meetings where they'd go before the presence of God. And what happened, it was a scary moment for the priest to go into the presence of God because what would happen, it was a holy place. And if you went in there with sin or, or shame or guilt or you weren't clean, what they would do is imagine they would go every year and it was your responsibility to go light incense before the Lord. In other words, they would start incense, and the incense was to remind them the presence of the Lord. There's something about the aroma of God when God's presence is in a place. You might not be, you know, for us, we might not smell God, but we can feel God sometimes. And it was to remind them that, you know, in this smoke, in this atmosphere, there was the atmosphere of God. And Zacchaeus was going in there, and he was going there. And what they would do, they would tie a rope around the priest's ankle because if he went in the sin to the Holy of Holies with God and he fell dead, no one was going inside to get him. They would drag him out. I mean, that's pretty smart. 
Okay? And what happened is, here he is. He's going before the presence of God. And if you know anything about him, his wife, Elizabeth, him and his wife were kind of getting old. And, and she was barren. And, and in that day, if you were barren, that means there was something wrong with your marriage. There was something. There was a, you were having issues. You were having problems between you. And so people would question. But the Bible says they were blameless. Even though they were going through that, the Bible says they were pure and they were blameless. And here he is, he's going before the presence of God, and he's, he's giving this offering. <coughs> he lights the incense, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes, Gabriel. And he goes, hey, Zacharias, the Lord has heard your prayers. Your wife is bearing. She's going to have a child. Okay, all right, look at me. That would be like T-Boy in Lake Arthur that's 88 years old. The angel shows up. He says, hey, my man, she's going to get pregnant. He's like, what? That's impossible. And so what happens is we know that she's bearing. He, he's doing his priestly appointment. He's troubled, and he's gripped with fear, the Bible says, when the angel, how many of you know that you would be gripped? It's not like an angel with the little diapers and the little harps and the little arrows. This is like a real, di- this is the real angels, and you need your depends or your pampers on if he shows up. <laughs> depends on where you're at. But anyway, and what happens is, here it is, right here, and, and it's like, in, in, he, he says, I hear, God hears your prayers. And then let's pick up in verse 18, and Zachariah said to the angel, how could I be sure that this will happen? Because he says, when your wife gets pregnant, she's going to conceive the forerunner, the one that goes before Jesus, that proclaims the light of the world has come into the world. And so he's like, what? He says, look what he says. I love it. He says, I'm an old man now. And my wife is, well, you know, he kind of brought, well, Lord, you've seen her. Along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. In other words, I see God. God tells me Gabriel was a messenger angel. He, all he was doing was sending the message that God told him to do. Moms, have you ever told your children, give them a message, that you go and you tell the others to get in here now, and if they don't, they're, you know? And so what happens, he's there, and he says this, but now since you did not believe what I said, you will be silent and able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfillment at the proper time. Let me just say something right here. He could have received it with joy, the word from God. But you know what he did? He questioned it. How many of you know that sometimes we question things? If you analyze things, if you're analytical, instead of just receiving what maybe someone's telling you, you ask why. Come on. Any analytical people in the house? Okay, there's nothing wrong with checking it out. But what happens is, he asks why. But see, let me just say, the curse of unbelief is you just can't speak. And what happens is, if you go a little bit further in Luke chapter 9. Y'all with me? We're going to travel a little bit, but I'm going somewhere, I promise you. Luke chapter 2, and you can pick up in verse uh, 8. It says 9 in your notes, but it's, it's 8, okay? And while... And while there were many days completed for her to give birth, this is Mary, she gave birth to her first son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
you know, they wrapped him in cloths. In, in other words, when you look it up, those cloths were actually the cloths they would wrap people when they died in. Jesus came, his mission was to die for you and me. Think about that. They wrapped him in the very clothes that, would, that was representation of what you would wrap someone that was going to die. Jesus had a mission from his father. I want you to go and I want you to reveal my love, my light, my life to the world for, so that you can die for them. And so what happens is, let's go on. In the same region, there were shepherds sing, singing out in the fields to keep watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord, there's Gabriel, he's busy, all right? suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terribly frightened. I mean, you say, that's, that's an understatement, okay? But the angel said, do not be afraid. I like that. I mean, the angel's constantly saying, don't be afraid. But you're like, I've never seen you before, okay? This ain't like Casper, all right? For behold, I will bring good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And see, at this portion right here, we know this, is that Jesus is always the antidote in the dark days of our lives. You imagine, here it is, it's darkness for 400 years. God's trying to come through. He's trying to pierce the darkness to come to get a hold of our hearts and our lives. And You know, during this Christmas season, I'm so reminded of the scripture. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen? Amen. And we know that when Jesus comes, Jesus is the antidote in the dark times, in the dark days of our lives. And what he's saying is, is that when Jesus comes and he comes in your life and you invite him into your heart, and you, it's not just a baby, but you invite him, all of a sudden, you know what God begins to do? There's four things he begins. It's not in your notes. Let me tell you. He changes your identity. You once were something, but now you're different. Amen. You know, I could go to my, all, my, all my old run buddies and everything. At one time, you could go to Bubba and he could find you some good stuff. Okay. Now I got some different stuff I'm peddling. It's called life, hope, joy, Jesus. Come on, on, let me just hook you up. You don't need to smoke this one. You usually surrender. Okay? Another thing he does, he changes your ability. What you could not do before, he begins to give you the ability to do things you couldn't do before. Some of us didn't have faith. How I many of you are talking about? But we reach out that one moment and say, God, if you're really real, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts. God, if you're really real, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Because that's what Jesus has come to do. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are dead, spiritually dead alive. That's what he does. It's not about a religion. It's about the love of the Father being represented through the love of the Son that He was willing to lay lay down His life for you and me to allow us to have the ability and things that we could not do before. Listen, before I got saved, I couldn't do anything consistently at least for 10 days. How many of you are talking about? You know, I try to be good, try to tell people I wasn't going to lie, but I'd lie about a lie to cover the lie. 
Anybody, any fellow liars up in the house? Okay. We've all been in that place. But he changes the ability. All of a sudden you can tell the truth. You can live the truth. You don't have to live in a cover-up. You don't have to put on a mask when you see certain people. Oh, there's someone. Got to be funny. Got to be real. Got to be When you give your life to Jesus, all of a sudden, what begins to happen, all the masks begin to fall off. And God, you begin to realize, God loves me for who I am. He made me just the way I am. All my flaws, all my stuff. Maybe I don't look like Brad Pitt, but I got something Brad Pitt ain't got. That's Jesus in my heart. And to God, I'm beautiful. To God, you're beautiful. When, you know, when people look at they have all the magazines, Us, People, Vogue, you know, Departure, all, I don't know what the name, Life, all that. Your, your picture's on the cover of God's book when you give it, your life to him. He goes, look, come on. They just named the, the, the most sexy woman. I don't even know her name. I don't even want to get, go there. But they, oh, the most sexy woman and the most sexy man. Let me tell you something. You know who the most sexy man and the sexy woman is? The one that reserves themselves for the Lord Jesus Christ. God goes, good looking, man. You don't have to shine in a bikini. You don't have to, come on, can I just, I'm not going, I'm not going. You got one, go, I mean, you know, whatever. It's funny. I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I was getting up this morning, and I, and I was seeing this, this girl that I see all the time. She, she's kind of around here, and she's always outside in a real kind of bathing suit, like a skimpy bathing I'm just saying skimpy. You don't give you much room for imagination, all right? You put a dime in it, you can read the date. Anyway. <laughs> and, and I saw, and this is no joke, and I saw that it, I saw them getting ready to go to church, and she had a long dress on, and she was putting on a bun. Her husband had long sleeve shirts. You know where I'm going. Listen, it's not how you dress. It's what's inside of here. Because, see, sometimes we can put the cover up. Come on. Well, I want people to think I'm so-and-so. I want people to think I'm like this. And you put on the religious garments and God said, it's not about that anymore. You see, I know that the one thing does is that God brings family. See, when you give your life to God, what happens is he gives you not only a new identity, not only a new ability, but he gives you a new family. Listen, you know what? I got more mamas than most people have. I am not kidding you. I got mamas here in the church that just love me, kiss me on the cheek, pass the bubble, it's good to see you. And I'm like, and they're, they're white, they're black, they're yellow, they're, I don't care. I have mamas, okay? I have mamas, I have aunts, I have uncles, I have papas in the kingdom of God. God's family's big. I have brothers and sisters that are family of God that love me, that will tell me the truth about myself when I don't want to hear it. Oh, how many you know what I'm talking about? He puts your ability. See, you can't pick the family you were born into, but you can pick the spiritual family that you walk with. And the last thing that God does is this. He gives you a new destiny. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? My destiny isn't in the grave. My destiny is beyond the grave. That you know what? There's two deaths. I died a spiritual death. 35 years ago in May, that I gave my life to Jesus. That was, a, that was a spiritual death. No longer does Bubba live, but a new Bubba rose up. 
And one day when you lay this, this earth suit, because that's all this is. When you lay this earth suit that will decay, the worms will come, they'll eat it away, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I told my wife, look, when I die, rent a casket. And when you're done renting the casket, burn me up and put me on a rice field so I can be with the ducks and geese. Anyway, I I ain't kidding you. I said, why waste money? You know, just put me on a rice field, put me in the marsh somewhere in Hackberry where I grew up hunting. Because God ain't coming back for this. He's coming back for what's inside of this. It's my spirit. And see, can I just say something to you this morning? I'm going to say it. I didn't need your permission. I'm going to say it. So. Here it is. Jesus is the antidote to your dark days. Can I just tell you something? This year, if you've come to this point in Christmas and you've lived in disappointment. I mean, you've had disappointments this year. You see, you've lived in defeat or failure or uh, expectation and hope. And you had wishes and and maybe you're, you're, you had a miscarriage of a plan. And it didn't work out the way you thought it would. Jesus said, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, I'm there with you. He gives you a new identity. You must accept. Let me just say, you must, I love what Martin Luther King said. He said, you must accept the finite disappointments. He says, but never lose infinite hope. In other words, he said, you may have disappointments in this life, but don't ever give up hope in the one that sees you. We all go through it. How many have been disappointed? Come on, let's just be. Maybe you're disappointed. I wish the kids would have sang along. I'll just tell you that right now, Pastor Bob. I like the kid part. How many have been in distress this year? Have many maybe had extreme pain? Something taken by dismantling affliction. Just, you just had affliction come to you. You had things come. And, you know, some things that harassed you. Things that, 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 that you, it, just, it just harnessed you to oppress you. Uh, let me just say, don't waste your time. I know this. When the when Lord has something great to come and do in your life, the enemy comes in. All hell's broken loose. So you don't get your harvest. Are you hearing me? You see, some of you, God molds us and bonds us through pain. Write your injuries in the dust. But can I tell you something? Your benefits, write your benefits in God in marble. Because, see, things will pass and things will go. The winds of adversity will blow over. They write your stuff in dust. But mark what God's faithfulness is in stone and marble. Because God will never fail. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing. How many of you have had some doubts this year? You know, that means to fear. How many of you have had some distrust? Maybe people that you trusted that they just didn't show up like they said they would. They disappointed you. How many of you have lived in uncertainty this year? Maybe your job, maybe finances, maybe just a, a relationship or your health. You know, there's different things that have been uncertainties. Do you, you don't let what you do interfere. Let me just say, don't ever, I, I read a thing, it was a great quote. He said, don't ever let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. In other words, you know, there's things that I, I can't control in this life. But I know this, I can't let it interfere with what I can control. What I can do. See, the greatest admirer you will ever get is when you, you hit the bottom and your light's still shining and people notice it. How many of you ever feel like you've been at the bottom? You know, you've been at the bottom, but... You're still shining. 
You see, I want to talk to you about just three elements that maintain a fresh relationship. How many of you want to have a fresh relationship with Jesus? Amen. Let me give you an inside scoop on a Christmas story. His name is Simeon. I like to call him Simon. <laughs> and we're in Cajun country. I call him Simon. All right. Simon. Here he is. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And at the time, there was a man named Simon. And he was righteous, or it says in another version, just and dependable or, and devout. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So what do we see in Simon? First of all, he was in Jerusalem. He was right in the place where God had him. You know what, sometimes, how many ever guess, is this what God really wants to do in my life? Does God really want to use me here? Does God really want to do this in my life right here? Listen to me, Simon stayed in the place where God put him. Amen. Let me tell you, how many of you want the blessings of God in your life? Listen, faithfulness is the only thing that God will ever bless. Faithfulness. He stayed in the place where God set him. He wasn't looking for something else. He wasn't going somewhere else. He was looking for where God had sent him to believe that God had something great. He was, the Bible said he was an old man. In other words, can I tell you, theologians say he was probably 113 years old. And he had a word given to him that you will see the Messiah before you die. Can you imagine the wait? Okay, Lord, I'm 30. It's about time. Lord, I'm 40. That's a biblical number, you know. Lord, 50. I can be a high priest now. I mean, Lord, where's the, where's, the, where's the boy? Where's the king? And maybe he had an idea what the king would look like. Maybe because in, in his time, because they were living under the Roman oppression, maybe he thought there was going to be trumpets or it would be this big fanfare and there would be announcement of the king. He would ride in his horse and go, I'm the king. But if you read the story down a little further... And I'll explain it to you in a minute. He didn't come that way. See, the first thing is, it's in order to keep fresh, he was where God had placed him and accepted it. God, if this is where you want me, I'm here to stay. The second thing is, Simon was looking for the hope of Israel. What does that mean? He maintained a heart of expectation. How many of you know this? If you don't have a heart of expectation, you can't allow God to bring a visitation. You have to have an expectation in your heart. God, is today the day? Is today the day that you show up? I love the story. If you didn't see it, it was in the paper this morning with, about little Joel and Lindsay getting the call from the doctors and the pressure in his heart was way up there in the 2000s at one time and then it went to 400 and they called and then it's in the 200s and the, the nurse that called was actually crying and I even had one of my friends, Brian Collada, Pastor Bubba, that's a miracle! He, and he goes... He goes, what am I? And I love what he said. What do all them numbers mean anyway? I go, God's touching him. Go read the article. Josh and Lizzie just give glory to God. It's when you face hard times, but you maintain a heart of expectation. They weren't giving up the white flag. Come on. And for you and I, you can't throw up the white flag when everybody's telling you, I'll give up on that. Don't, that old bag of dirt you're married to, give him up. He mean. He grumpy. He mean and grumpy. And he stinks. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if people could say that about you and me? They said, man, they're dependable. they're They're committed to God. Wouldn't that be great? That's what they said about Simon. In, this, in such a case, he was, he was committed. He was devoted. He wouldn't allow the winds of the adversity to blow him here and there. And the third and final thing, I love this. The Holy Spirit rested upon Simon. He remained in a fresh relationship with God. When you look at Simon carefully, you see a man a sensitivity. And this is what I mean. He heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit speak to him. One day. One day. Because God doesn't come with a big announcement. Hey! God comes. The Bible says that he speaks in a still, small voice. If he was from here, he'd go, man, Simon, come see, Sha. The Lord wants you to know. You're going to see the Messiah. He waited. He had hard expectation. And you know the cool thing is? One day, a little girl was carrying this baby to the temple. And that still small voice that he heard quickened his heart. And the Lord goes, I don't know how he did it, but he said, That's the one. Walked over to that little girl and said, began to proclaim who he was. He began to prophesy. This is the one. And I love what he he even says. He's not only going to offend the world, but he's going to offend you, Mary. He's the hope of the world. See, I don't know what it is. If God opened his eyes that he could see the heavens and he saw the light of God pointing right there. I would need an arrow. You know what I mean? God would have to illuminate with a sign. This is the one. How many know what I'm talking about? You know? You see, I'll just say, we won't, be, we, won't held, we won't be held accountable for how much we've done, but how much we have done with what he's asked us to do. That's what we'll be accountable to. You see, let, let me just say this. What, what if, you know, how many know that there's only some things that you can do, but if you neglect some things, no one else can do it? Can I just give you a, pa- a Pastor Bubba Christmas gift this morning? Can I do that? How many of you want to maintain a healthy relationship with Jesus? Not a religious thing, but a healthy relationship. How many of you want to please God this year? How many of you want to say, Lord, if God put a present under me and he said, hey, I want to please, here, here's how you can please me. Here's how you can honor me. How many of you want that gift? Well, I'm going to give it to you this morning. There's six things. Write them down on the back of your notes. Let me just tell you real quick. First of all, here's my Christmas gift to you, and God desires it to be to you. The first one, you, in order, you need to have a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus, the Lord and Savior of your life. What does that mean? That I'm going to pursue him. Not just his Savior, not that he just saves me, but he's the Lord. He's the captain of my heart. He is the king of kings. He is my king. I don't sit on the throne of my heart anymore. I allow him to come and say, God, sit on this throne. No compromise in my life. No compromise in my soul. No compromise in my walk. You are the king. The second thing is, if you're married... Work on the health of your marriage. Can we, 
Happy wife. Come on, babies, bet ladies. Happy wife. Happy life. Happy husband. Never mind. Look, all a man wants respect. If you're, oh, I know what men want, Pastor, but it's not what you think. The first thing a man wants is respect. He wants to be admired and desired. The next thing, you need to have an authentic family, that you're close. You go, you know what, I'm going to bring my kids and my wife closer to God and one another this year than ever before. Some of us have wishes and pipe dreams and all that stuff. Here, if you want that, that's you got to pursue. The next thing is, is you have, in order to have a God, I mean, you want a God-pleasing life? That means in everything, you go, God, I'm going to please you in my job and wherever I show up. If it's at school, if it's with my mom and dad, if it's with my my family, I'm going to be committed. Here's one you might not like. You might not like me after this one. Have a physically healthy body and creative soul. You need that. Work on your health. Got real quiet in here. The last one, take time. Look at me. Take time to enjoy life. Take time to enjoy your wife, your spouse, your family. You know what my wife loves about this time? She doesn't like what I, she's running around. My wife, Lily, she works hard during Christmas. Lily works hard. Works hard. When you have six children and we're having grandchildren and having more and all that stuff, you work hard. I'm just hunting. That's the truth. I mean, can I be honest? And and there's a lot of times she's very kind to me and very nice to me and gives me grace and and but lets me know I need to buck up every once in a while and get with get with the program. But learn to enjoy each other. Pastor, isn't there more to that? Let, Let me just say this, guys. For every one of us, when I think about how Jesus came, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of agony. There was a lot of darkness. There was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of trouble going on in this time. But in order for Christmas to come, sometimes struggles are exactly what we need in life. I mean, I'm talking about. So we can enjoy the very gift that came into the world, the very gift that saves us, the very gift that helps us. Because see, can I tell you something? Sometimes we can get so familiar with the things of God. We want God's hands but we don't want his face. What do you mean by that, Pastor Bubba? We want the things of God, but we don't want God himself. The sad thing is what many churches in, in our culture does. We're in a culture shift we've talked about in our country. How things are, people are trying to get divided in many different things. It's, our, it's a cultural thing. There's a shift taking place. But in the midst of the culture shift, that's where we need to go grab onto the Lord and say, God, I'm not moving. I'm holding on to you. And see, sometimes struggles are exactly what we need. Life is not always about you. What? Tell me, Pastor Bubba. What you talking about? Can I just blow your bubble up a little bit? Life is not about you. It's when you go through struggles and you face disappointments and you face doubts and you go through things that that don't look good 
And you say, you know what, God, no matter where my rudder, I'm going to keep my rudder directed towards you. And no matter what happens in your life, let me just say, life is not always about you. It's about, it's, it's, you've got to trust God for help when your foundations are sinking. With the very thing you, and you only learn that it's God is keeping you afloat. I believe this is that, you know, you know, the sad thing is we, many times we just turn to God when our foundations are shaking only to learn, can I, look at me, that it's God himself that's shaking our foundations. You see, if you were to go through life without any obstacles, without any hardships, can I just say you'd be crippled? You'd be crippled. We would not be as strong as what we could have been if we hadn't faced difficulty. Give every opportunity a chance and leave no room for regrets. You know, I'm going to bring this to a close. Resistance builds strength. One day I was talking to David Daigle and we were outside and we were we were talking about things and he planted some more trees for the church and stuff, some oak trees, I don't know if you noticed, and you know, and, some, and, and I was talking to him one day, and I was asking him why they grow. And he says, you know, Pastor Bubba, if you don't put the little rod in it, the less, the less reinforcement you do to help the tree, the better the tree is. And I go, why is that? He says, because the wind and the elements help the root system grow wide and deep, and they become stronger. And I started going, to me, I was going, that's a revelation. That's a revelation to me. You go, oh, Pastor Bubba, you should have been gardening years ago. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not a gardener. But I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, wait a minute. That's how God makes us strong. And see, the greatest gift that God has given is his son, Jesus. And he's here to tell you, he came in dark days to bring hope. And he's here today to be the light in your life. When you face adversity, when you're at the bottom and you're still having the light of God shine out of you and people recognize and go, whatever you got, I want some of that. Because see, what God does where you had inability before, God gives you the ability, it's called grace, to walk through difficult times. And at the end of the day, when you unopen the package and they get down to the root of where you are, they see Jesus. Because can I tell you something? When I went through cancer treatment, when I went through chemo, when I went through different things, it wasn't about me. It was about God bringing me to places that people needed light. When Josh and Lindsay went from hospital to hospital to this place to that doctor to this doctor, it was not about them. It was always bringing the light of Jesus. Are you hearing me? And ultimately, it wasn't really about Joel. Ultimately, it was all about Jesus. That he could use a couple that would be stretched, hello, and go and be a light. All of a sudden, in the midst of all of that, and people are going, aren't you going to be sad? Aren't you going to fall apart? And they're going, nah, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Because let me just finish reading this, and then I'm going to be done. Because I've taken too long already. John 8, verse 12. 
I love this portion of Scripture. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Even though you go through dark moments, you won't walk in darkness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many of you have ever walked in darkness before? How many of you have gotten up in the middle of the night to go somewhere and you're on a mission and you didn't know the door was there to meet you? Darkness. How many of you stubbed your toe and you're trying to be quiet and I'm like, Darkness. Because see, can I tell you something? Without God, you're walking in the light. You're walking in this life and you're walking in the dark trying to feel your way through where God says I'm the light even though it's dark I'm going to give you a way and look what he says if you follow me you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light and I love this that leads to life you know I was studying the scripture and in this moment If you know anything about the history of Israel, you remember in the Old Testament when they were walking through the wilderness, the Bible says that God was with the children, a fire by night and a cloud by day. But you know this is when the fire, when they got out of the the wilderness and they got to the promised land, they didn't have have the light anymore. And so instead of God's presence being the light that illuminated everything, the priests would have to go around and light candles. They'd have to light incense that represented what used to be the presence of God when he showed up. People knew it. Just like Zacchaeus when he was at that moment and he was lighting that. He was thinking, you know, well, just the same old, same old. But I love it where it says that Jesus was in a temple. And he stood there. And it's the same light that got them through the dark times in their wilderness. How many of you been in the wilderness this year? God's got a word for you this morning. It's a gift fixing to be unwrapped. If you've walked in the wilderness, you say, well, I haven't seen the light, Pastor. I haven't felt the light. There's been things in my life that it just hadn't been what I thought they'd be. Can I just proclaim to you today that the light of the world has come? Jesus, they said, was standing in the temple. And when they were lighting the candles in the temple, Jesus stood. And he said this to the people. I am the light of the world. In other words, he was saying, the same light that got you through the wilderness is here today. And really what he was saying, he says, I'm back. I'm back. And see, can I just tell you something today before I run off the stage? God's saying this. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're going through or what you've been through, I'm here. I'm back. I got your back when you feel like your back's against the wall. You don't have to just cry out to me and rescue 911 situation. I'm here. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm the light that brings leads to life. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm gonna, I want to just say something to you this morning. 
this morning, Jesus is the light of the world. He's come to shine on your heart. You don't have to live another year. You don't have to go another Christmas in your darkness and your disappointments and your discouragements and your doubts. But this can be the year that you unwrap your life and say, God, step in. I want you. Because see, can I tell you something? Christmas is not about a fat man in a suit. Sorry, kids. Really, it came from Coca-Cola. They came up with the idea of putting a red suit and red and white on a fat man because it represented the colors of Coca-Cola. Look it up. Google it right now. Jesus, God had a plan years ago when Adam fell. Remember, God created the world. It was dark. It was void. And he spoke it into this and the light of the world came. But this today is Jesus is the light that leads to life. And if you have seen, been around the light and it's not leading to life, then you're walking. Your eyes are dark and you don't see it. But you say, Pastor Bubba, I want to see. I don't want it to be about religion. I don't want it to be about just Sunday mornings. I want my life to be completely his. I want the light of the world to come and live inside of me because I can face my doubts not alone but with him that God will give me a new identity that you don't have to keep living by your old identity. You know, you know people call you whatever but God begins to call you a different name. He calls you out. You may be going through a time where you go, well, I don't have the ability to do this or do that. I can't overcome this. God said it's not about you anyway. Give it to me. The Bible says cast your burdens. And I will carry them. God said he'll put you in a new family. The family of the redeemed. Those that have been saved. Those that have been set free. And I'll give you a new destiny. In other words, I'm going to give you a new address. So when you leave this place, it's called heaven. It's called heaven. That you know, that you know, that you know and one day if heaven will be your home the Bible says we will gather as the family of God and we'll put our feet under God's table and we will party are you hearing me how many of you like to party come on how many I like come on I got kids are saying I like to party pastor Bob you like to party it's going to be a great party because the tears are going to be wiped away. There's not going to be any shame. Nothing hidden anymore. We're going to enjoy the presence of God. And we're going to eat some chicken fricassee. Some etouffee. Some sausage. Some boudé that have no calories. No cholesterol. There'll be endless hot sauce. Praise God. Cajun chef. Because God, look at me, God loves you. And his greatest demonstration of his love was to send his son. Not just any son, his only son. And like Pastor Josh said earlier in the service, he sent his only son as a missionary to rescue me and to rescue you. He doesn't care where you came from. 
He didn't care what people have called you. He didn't care about your past because he makes a future for you. He takes the old and he puts in new. Amen? He takes out death and he pours in life. Let's pray. Bow your head and close your eyes. You're here this morning. Say, Pastor Bella, I've walked through some dark days. And I realized this morning, I've walked through the darkness without really knowing Jesus. If he's the antidote for my blindness, I want him. I need Jesus. I don't want to go another Christmas without Jesus in my life, in my marriage, in my responsibilities, with my family, with things that you've put in me that I enjoy. If that's you, please, no one looking around and say, Pastor Bubba, would you pray for me? I want, I'm, I'm going to invite Jesus in my heart today. I'm going to trust him like never before. If that's you, just raise your hand. I love